welcome to episode number 7979 on Radio Cop Nation. I'm Alpha Mike, your host. Today's program, we will be talking about Bring Back the Warrior. And it's a confusing topic for many people, especially our friends on the left. They don't understand it. They actually believe that police officers and law enforcement personnel are trained in this cynical, cynical element of a warrior spirit ready to conquer the world, not serve the world. But my friends, I don't want you to be hoodwinked in any way. That's why we've brought in our superhero guest, the cop, and we will discuss this program today, Bring Back the Warrior Spirit and what that means. But before we dive into that, as you know, we have to keep up appearances. We have the leadership quote of the week. Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. They go hand in hand. And that brings us to our leadership quote. It's always good to motivate, uplift, and continue thinking positive no matter the circumstances surrounding you. As always, you might be looking at our TV guide on RaiderCopNation.com and you're saying, well, wait a minute, according to the TV guide here on March 20th, episode 79 is the PIO, Public Information Officer, but he's actually talking about bringing back a warrior because we have changed that schedule. Remember, we always have to go with our superhero schedules, so we've flip-flopped the schedule in the meantime. So PIO will come next week, March 27th. Today, we dive in to bring back the warrior. So let's not fool around with this. Let's not get crazy with this. I want to basically give my opening statement of what we're talking about today. Now, The prior administration of Barack Obama They did police reform. They thought that there was a need for police reform. And they basically said, well, because of the Ferguson shooting and other incidents with police officers, we need to reform it. And although the intent might have been honorable, we'll say that, because they looked at law enforcement and every industry always needs a good looking over. But the political aspect of what attacked their resolve is what is troublesome. Now, when you say reform, police work is always interchangeable because communities change and people have to, and agencies have to react to that community. The climate changes, 
I remember starting off in law enforcement, there was no such thing as an actual cell phone that could record and put you on some drastic thing that nobody ever heard of called YouTube. And I didn't even know what a hit was back then. Or a hashtag. But today, it's a part of our society. So law enforcement has to change to that as well. But this committee, they had other things that they were looking at. And they were looking at a mindset. And they were troubled by the mindset. They created a narrative that police officers had a warrior mindset in to conquer its citizens, not serve them. So therefore, they said that they had to come up with the servient mindset and dwell into that. Well, they were wrong because since policing has been policing in this country, they have always served the citizen. Now, let's identify the elephant in the room. Are there bad police officers? The answer would be yes. Now, the percentages is what's a little fickled. Some people actually believe that it is at 100%. But usually those people are the ones behind bars. So not all police officers were molded with the same mold. And it has a lot to do with their approach of police work. Of course, a sound department would have good policy and good supervision out there that would allow a lot of the riffraff not to exist. A lot of times, at least in my experience, when you had a rogue officer running away with the script, it was because he had a weak supervisor that didn't know how to address the problems or decided to become deaf, dumb, and stupid. As a result, that little problem became a big problem that ended up on nightly news or a hit on YouTube. As a result, that is far and few between. Now, there are problems in law enforcement, but there always have been. There are problems with use of forces, with corruption, with bending rules for certain folks and enforcing for others, for racial profiling, and so forth. But there's a reason why a lot of this has gotten out of control, and that is bad policing. The heads of these agencies have not identified how to communicate those reforms to the community. But the previous administration has decided to blame the 21-year-old rookie that just graduated in the academy on patrol with, buddy, what you just learned is not enough. We're going to have to reform you and give you a Serbian spirit. Now, I have my own personal opinions that I'll go ahead and share with you briefly. I actually believe that one of the problems in between community policing is that some applicants that are maybe 21 years of, of, of age and the only thing they've ever done is work at the local convenience store, all of a sudden they're thrown into this law enforcement world. 
wet behind the ears and not really knowing what they're doing because they have actual accidents while they go to the bathroom. All of a sudden, here they are thrown into the limelight. They live in a suburb. They live in a nice community. They grew up in very nice homes, but they work for an agency now that has thrown them in the ghetto or the barrio. And all of a sudden, there they are patrolling something that they've never experienced in their life. As you can tell, that is a problem. Now, that is also few and far between. That is not policing in America, but it does happen, especially in agencies like New York City, maybe Chicago, Los Angeles. These young applicants living in suburbs are all of a sudden thrown into areas that they've never even seen and they have to deal with that culture and that my friends is a scary proposition so the president obama at the time wanted to do police reform he got together his committee Uh, some people on the committee were excellent law enforcement officers and some were bleeding liberals that had absolutely zero, zero law enforcement experience. They were not even law enforcement officers. And here they were busting chops on this committee. So as you can assume, the attitude of the committee was, we're going to get them today. So they came up with a, a lot of areas of what they believed needed reform. One of them was use of force. It was also a data system to identify troubled officers, you know, like they do in school. So they wanted to put the same mentality in policing. And they also wanted to get into better training. All of a sudden, the training that the officers had is not good enough. We're going to give them better training, whatever that is. And why do they have to be so scary with all this military guard that they're wearing? Why can't they just be officer-friendly on patrol with patent leather shoes and a cap and not look so scary? So they took away the military surplus. All this, my friends, was revoked by the current president, and it is business as usual. Now, there's a need for officers to have tactical gear. There's a need for officers to also do the right thing in policing. For me to brush with one stroke, everything is bad. If you wear tactical gear, then that would be wrong. Now, there are people that do things they shouldn't be doing in every profession, but that needs to be dealt with. But we've invited the cop, our superhero, to come on the show. We've are going to address this issue with him with his 30-plus years of experience, do we need a Serbian spirit or a warrior spirit to be a law enforcement officer? And did we always have both? Let's bring him on.
All superheroes here, the one you've been waiting for, the cop. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's great to, good to be here, my brother. We are always blessed with your presence and your wisdom, and today we need your wisdom more than ever. We have created this show, Bring Back the Warrior, because back during the prior presidential administration of Barack Obama, he created police reform. And some of those reforms, I was telling the audience, was, of course, military surplus. They couldn't have. But one of the things that the committee that he created was to form a new mindset in police officers from a warrior mindset to a servient mindset, which it kind of perplexed a lot of people in the industry when this was being done. But reform is political, and they went ahead and put a huge report together for him. He signed it and as an executive order, and the rest is history. Later, the president uh, takes it out with another executive order. But the question is today, in your uh, opinion, of course, and your wisdom, back in 2016 when they were starting all this, there was an outcry for police reform. If, if you believe that there was reform, what area needed to be reformed or nothing needed to be reformed? Well, first of all, that 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 report was really good uh, to start fires with. It was a, a useless piece of <laughs> material. But, but basically, this was created on, on the mentality that the police are the problem. And their failures and lack of training and police abuses was creating crime, which as you and I know as seasoned police officers, it's, uh, it's nonsense. But they based it on three, on six pillars, building trust with the community, policy and oversight, technology and social media, community policing, training and education, officer wellness and safety. These are, these are the things that we have done our whole careers in law enforcement. I've been a police officer for 31 years. This is nothing new. Um, of course, they try to tweak it for their political agenda. Um, the one that reform has changed, and police work is constantly evolving into changing. So we're constantly evolving. We have to keep up with the times. Like for... Uh, pillar number three, technology and social media, that's always evolving. Technology is always evolving. Um, what they were asking, what the committee was asking is that police police uh, uniform departments use social media and technology to reach out to the community, um, to talk about what their expectations are, to be more transparent, to show more con accountability. We've been doing that. We've been doing that forever. Right. And, you know, ever, ever since Facebook came out, um, we've been doing that. This is nothing new. Uh, community policing has been around my whole career. It, it, it went from community policing to problem-solving policing. Um, it, it, it's there. It's, it's getting into the neighborhoods and, you know, getting out there with the community, working with the community. Nothing new. 
and training, training and education. Well, we're, we're constantly training. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is nothing new. We train every year, two or three times a year in different areas of law enforcement. Of course, their type of training was more for us to be more tolerant to criminals. That's what they wanted us to do. They wanted us to be more capable of dealing with, um, you know, the raising immigration problem, um, the different cultural needs, which we've been doing um, um, cultural diversity training for the last 30 years. Nothing new. This is nothing new. But, you know, they did it in a very nice little package and presented it to the world. And then if you're looking at this and you know nothing about law enforcement, you're like, it's a good idea, but it's nothing new. It was a waste of time and a waste of money. And then the last one, officer wellness and safety. Now, when you look at that, I'm thinking, you know, hey, we, we need to get these cops out of the donut shops and get them into shape. Well, that's, that's not what it's about. It's basically um, giving police officers tactical advantages by training them and giving them ballistic vests and giving them first aid kits. That's basically the nonsense of that one pillar. Well, guess what? We've been, we've been using um, bulletproof, um, ballistic vests for ever. I've always had a first aid kit in my police car. Nothing new. There's nothing new about what they created. Um, again, like you said at the beginning, it was political. Um, and if you're asking me if we need a reform, yes, we're always changing. Law enforcement is 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 a career, is a skill set that is constantly evolving and is constantly changing. That was a good point that you brought up when you said yes, we need reform, because a lot of people that are in law enforcement might say that yeah, no, everything that we're doing is fine. So. Saying that, yes, we needed reform because we're constantly changing is a great analogy because communities change. People in the community change change as well. Concepts of the community change. So police have to always change with that mentality. So that's a very excellent point. Well, and, and, and in today's day and age, um, the, the police officer today is dealing with a, a, a part of society that we didn't have to deal with, let's say 20 years ago, which is technology. And technology changes day by day. Yeah. Um, and police officers have to change towards that. Now, when, 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 when you hear me say technology, of course, people automatically go to the computer, but just our equipment alone, changes from year to year our radio systems our firearm systems um our vehicles they they're they're constantly changing and we're the police if a police officer doesn't evolve with the changes he's going to have a very short career and agencies are going to fail if they don't evolve with the changes so this is nothing new we're we're constantly changing i mean i remember when I started, you know, we were using, you know, revolvers. Yeah, that's right. Look, look how, look how many, look how many different type of guns that we use, uh, uh, how we upgraded now. When, when we started, I literally had a, a, a police radio attached to my hip that was the size of a boombox. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, today, today they're they're just a little bit bigger than a cell phone. Yeah. Um, we didn't have, you know, my, my, my computer back in the day was a pin, was a, a, a big pin. Now, mm-hmm. now, now we've got laptops and mm-hmm. if you don't adjust to these changes, cause we're constantly changing. So for a police officer to sit there, which I don't know of one that would say this and say, Hey, we don't need reform. The answer should be, we're constantly reforming. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. This is nothing new. For, for, but it, it, it sounds fancy when a politician comes out and says, we're going to reform law enforcement. Yeah. No, this, is, this has been happening for, for, for forever. Yeah, it makes it sound like they're doing something. And, you know, a lot of politicians are car salesmen. They always got to tell you this is the best car available. Now, the committee's idea was basically they wanted to get rid of the conquering spirit of a warrior that they basically were calling officers on patrol. You were the tactical gear and so forth and intimidating. They were basically saying that these people, these officers were intimidating the community and they wanted to replace that, they said, with a servient type of conduct. Was there any need for that? That's absolutely not. We we we've always been a a servant um, profession, but the the warrior's mindset is to never give up, keep fighting, and prevail against all odds. Yep. Why would you want a police officer to stop thinking in that manner? Once we stop thinking in that manner, it's simple. We're gonna die. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. You gotta have a warrior's heart, a warrior's mentality, to do the job of law enforcement. These guys are going into the den, the devil's den, every day when they put on that uniform. And if you take that away from them, you're basically asking them to just go out there and die. Because if you're not out there with that fight mentality, it's a problem. Of course, their attitude was that police officers were approaching citizens as they were all bad. Well, listen, most police officers, and I will say 99% of my brothers and sisters out there are professionals. And they're not going to approach every single citizen contact as that citizen is a bad guy. We are going to approach you with cautious because like I was told years ago, when I went to homicide school, anybody has the potential of killing you, yeah. whether it's the little old lady or whether it's that teenage kid. You always got to approach people with caution, but you don't treat them as a criminal. And most people, most police officers, like I said, 99% of them that I know of mm-hmm. are professional and they're not going to treat people in that way. Now, there's two there's two sets of mindsets that I that that I read on this topic and I was doing my research and there's the guardian mindset and the warrior's mindset, which the guardian mindset is it's, it's one that the liberals are trying to present, which is it's nonsense. Cause it's the same thing that we've done. Basically a guardian mindset is to be trained more tactically um, without approaching the citizen as a potential enemy. 
Well, we all train tactically, and we don't approach every citizen contact as that person is the enemy. We don't do that. So that, that, that mindset in itself is just nonsense. But, but then again, going back to the beginning of your show, it's political. That gets votes. When a politician says that, it's going to get them votes. So the answer to the, to, to, to the warrior's mindset, we should never get away from that. I don't care if you're a politician, if you're a police executive, if you're just a regular beat cop on the street. We are never, we should never get away from that mentality. If that day ever was to come, that's the day I'm going to hang up my badge. Because you cannot do this job without having that warrior mentality. You have to have it. Yeah, it's a survival for the officer. I remember as being a, a CIT instructor for crisis intervention, and I was partnered with NAMI, which is a group for mental illness, and they were pretty much advocates for the industry of mental illness. And they were really strong-headed about police officers dealing with people with uh um, mental illness and crisis situations that when they would try to speak to them to be less threatening. So the, how do you define that? Well, their def- definition was, you know, if they're sitting down, maybe the officer can sit down next to them or maybe the officer could crouch down in front of them. All these things are just against what the officer was trained in defensive tactics. So there mm-hmm. had to be a fine line. And uh, at least in our program, we did create that fine line of there was always a safe distance for the officer. And there was a goal. There was a goal for the officer to reach to befriend the individual that they were trying to calm down. And then slowly that person, as they calmed down, they could, you know, get a little closer. But defensive tactics were, were given for a reason. And we have to know that they exist. So we couldn't just erase it. We couldn't take off the gun belt and become a social worker overnight. That, that wasn't going to work. No. no. Well, I mean, the, and, and, and one of the things that I read, and, 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 and i just hit on this real quick, is my whole career I've been taught the, 20, the 21 feet distance yeah. when you're dealing with somebody with a knife. Um, they actually wanted to shorten that distance um, so that you could give that person more of a chance to de-escalate. So now I got a guy with a knife, and you want me to get closer to him than 21 feet to de-escalate. So you're basically asking me to get stabbed. Because most, you know, some of your listeners, I know are not in law enforcement, um, police officers use security level type of gun holsters, which, it takes a little work to get that gun out of that holster. Yes. 21 feet gives you just enough time to break that gun out of that holster to be able to defend yourself against a guy with a knife. If you're lucky. So when you shorten that 20, if you're lucky, exactly. Because if you got a guy that knows how to use a knife, he, he could be a very deadly person in 21 feet. Yeah. Um, but... They wanted they, one of the logics of these political heads 
was to shorten the 21-foot gap between an officer and an assailant with a knife to de-escalate, which that's just nonsense. Anybody, doesn't even have to be a policeman, anybody in martial arts, anybody in the fighting world, anybody that knows how to use a knife, they'll probably tell you, look, not, don't, don't stand 21 feet away from the guy, stand 35 feet away from the guy. Yeah. You know, but that, that's just the mentality, because you're dealing with politicians, you're not dealing with guys with the experience that could say, look, this is not going to work and this is why. Um, but again, it all boils down to, to politics. It, it is politics. Now, the committee, they looked at several areas that they thought was really troublesome in their view. And that was excessive force, ineffective internal affairs systems, pattern and trends of uh, misconduct that are being ignored. So now they have already have a prejudge. They're prejudging everything here, and then were not addressed effectively. So in other words, the officers acting, uh, misbehaving on duty, let's say, but there's no tracking system of what they're doing, and there's no way to curtail this behavior until it kind of blows up out of out of nowhere and it's too late. That's basically what they're saying. Now, they said that if, if they cre- uh, corrected this and they also wanted to, uh, to include policy development, which is baloney, supervision, training, discipline, this uh, would basically improve the officer. What's your thoughts on some of what the committee wanted to deal with? Well, my my thing is that it seems that in that scenario or in that situation, if a police officer is misbehaving and is not being tracked, that falls back on lack of supervision. Correct. Because as a supervisor, you're tracking down that you do document you do track um, at the current agency that I work for. Um, I could go into a, a, a database and I could, every officer has a um, file in the database and I could document um, positive behavior, negative behavior, and it's called progressive discipline. Right. You start showing a pattern and after a while you have to address it, whether that is with, whether that means suspension, counseling, retraining, and ultimately termination. So if there's not, if, if this, if their mindset is that police misconduct is not being taken care of, then, then we need to address that at the agency's level as of what's going on at the supervisory level. Um, and one of the biggest things that I got from this was internal affairs, inter- the internal affairs system. Um, where I work at, and I, I never thought I would say this, but where I, in, my, in, in the current agency that I'm from, we have a very, very fair internal affairs division, which is unheard of. Um, but in a lot of agencies, internal affairs are used as a political headhunting system. You want to get rid of a guy, you use IA to get rid of him. It's not always a fair, it's not always fair for the officer. Because unfortunately, especially 
and and departments where the head of the agency is is politically placed. For example, a sheriff's department. A lot of times, their job is not to do what's best for the agency; is to do what's best for that political head. And if that political head wants wants to get rid of a certain officer, then IA's job is to headhunt and try to find a reason to get rid of that officer. So with that being said, I think we need to get the politics out of internal affairs and let internal affairs do their job. Um, And again, we have to maintain that warrior mindset all the time, regardless in what areas we are addressing. Yeah. Uh, One of the issues with the internal affairs and speaking to an internal affairs sergeant from my former agency, the tracking system that internal affairs basically is politically motivated to have is to basically keep scorecard on each officer. The problem is that the job duties of the internal affairs is to investigate wrongdoing. So this person might not have done something that was actually a breaking of policy. Maybe it was something on the borderline. Their supervisor should be doing the tracking system, but they're being referred to the internal affairs to actually document the behavior without an investigation. So even for the internal affairs guys, they don't like this tracking system thing because they're being given information that they can't vouch for. So how can they use it against the officer later? That's that's a little bit crazy, but that's the political uh, extra pickle in the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and then if you come from agencies, you know, that are lucky enough to have PBA or FOP there to help the guys protect them. But if you come, you know, there's, there's a lot of agencies in the state of Florida, for example, that you, you can't mention PBA or FOP without getting your head chopped off. Right. And those guys are out there on their own. They, they, they have no protection. They have nobody to fight for them. Um, so, again, like you just said, they're keeping a scorecard. And police officers um, are no different than anybody else. They make mistakes, they learn from it, and they move on. Yeah. There are some mistakes that you just can't move on from. And, and I understand that, and I, and, and I get that. But we all make mistakes, and um, some of these mistakes are corrected by retraining. Some of these mistakes could be corrected by counseling. Some of these mistakes could be corrected by suspension. Um, it's not always cut the guy's head off. Right. Um, and you got some agencies that, hey, look, you made the sheriff look bad. We're going to cut your head off. Um, and, and, you know, what we got to look at is, okay, was, was this guy, was his intention, um, you know, on purpose, did he do this on purpose, did he do this maliciously, or was it a simple mistake? Yeah. And again, some mistakes, some mistakes we can't fix. Yeah. Some mistakes we can. Yeah. I remember when I started in law enforcement, uh, a lot of the correction action was dealt with. Uh, between you and your supervisor, several f bombs were laid down on the on the pavement, 
and you got the point, and you were brand new after that. It worked then. Absolutely. I don't know why it's not going to work today. Lastly, last question we have is military surplus. Last president did away with it, said police departments really didn't have a need for this military surplus. You know, things what the community or the politicians like to call uh, tanks and and machine guns and stuff like that. It said it was intimidating, very scary. So he did away with it. Of course, the new president came in, put that back in there. So those things are back in police work. Was there a need to cut it? Should we even have military surplus? Absolutely. First of all, thank goodness for the new president. Um, you know, it's it's the the program is called 1033, and 1033 has been around since 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 the early 1990s. I remember one of my first ride helmets was a Vietnam era military helmet that it was olive green and the agency just painted it black and handed them out to the guys because they could not afford to buy a riot helmet. So they got this from the military. Uh, One of the very first SWAT vehicles that I, that I was able to ride in was a formal military vehicle that I think cost the department a dollar just to put it out there on the road. Um, let's just look at the savings that brings the taxpayers. Um, Since since the creation of the 1033 program, it has saved over $5 billion in equipment that it would have been, this equipment would have been destroyed if it would not have been given to law enforcement. I don't know of one agency that's getting, you know, uh, 50 caliber machine guns from the military. That's nonsense. You know, they, they're, they're getting stuff like clothing, bomb disposal, gears, um, even things like cabinets, filing cabinets, fax machines that smaller agencies can't afford. They're getting these from the, from the military. And these vehicles are not tanks. Yeah, they're, they're, they're upper armor, they're hardcore vehicles that are gutted out. Any any machinery like machine guns and stuff like that are taken out of the uh, are taken out of the, the vehicle. But that vehicle is used, for example, to ram through buildings, to get into buildings. There was two incidents in California and in Colorado where there was active shooters going on, and they were able to enter that 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 building by crashing through the building with a military surplus vehicle. And they were able to save lives by using this vehicle. So yes, it's a need one it saves the taxpayers money. And two is equipment that otherwise agencies could not afford to get if it wasn't for the surplus program. So yes, I think it's needed. This was a knee jerk reaction from the Obama administration during the, the Ferguson situation in 2014. Um, and because of one incident that happened in the nation, um, he decided to take this away from the whole country. Bad decision should have never have happened. And the answer to your question is yes, we need it. And it should always be here to stay. As always, you bring wisdom and a lot of good ideas to the program. We thank you for having 
you on today's episode, uh, Bring Back the Warrior, because without your 31 years of experience, we would be swimming upstream, not going with the stream. So thank you for your time and coming out on the show today. It was my pleasure, as always. Thank you for having me. Well, it's time for the debriefing and to wrap things up. The Warrior, Bring Back the Warrior, was basically about reform. And we discussed how the previous administration wanted to do police reform. I hate to dive into that, that word. If you have children inside the room or anywhere inside a vehicle where you might be listening to this podcast, please go ahead and cover their ears now so they don't hear what I'm about to say the word that I'm speaking of is politics. Now, politics has a purpose. It is a form of manipulation that a politician may use to bend things in their liking for whatever purpose. This was to reform, allegedly, law enforcement, but it really was to subdue law enforcement. It was done on two folds. Number one, to go ahead and tell the nation there was a need for this. Lucky that I was here. Police officers are bad, all of them. And thank God that I'm here to reform that. So that was mission number one. Mission number two was to cripple law enforcement. And you can look now at all the newsreels that we see every day of disobedient citizens on simple traffic offenses. There's no need for it. But when you push that all cops are thinking the same way, then you're basically saying and you're discriminating and you're stereotyping a segment of society. Two wrongs don't make a right. There are many fine law enforcement officers that are Hispanic and African American that do the job each and every day and they have for many, many years, but they don't get labeled. It's always the other ones. And you know who the other ones are. Not good. Identify the problems is an agency thing. And to believe that there's agencies in this country that will cover things up, that there are conspiracies, then you're saying that the state system doesn't work. Here in Florida, where I was employed for 27 years, I can tell you, that if my agency failed in any way to really investigate and enforce an incident, the scrutiny would go to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And that, my friends, was difficult. 
And of course, if the FDLE could not handle it, there was always the FBI in between hairspray investigations. There is a check and balance. There has been. You can ask Serpico or you can ask police corruption cases that have happened in the 60s and 70s, the Knapp Commission that brought internal affairs to each agency. But today, that sinister scheme of saying, hmm, they're not being enforced or investigated. It's an easy sell because our young Americans today don't know what happened back in the 60s and 70s, and they don't have confidence. And, of course, we always have the media that will influence their judgment. As a result, we put layers and layers on top of things that don't need layers, and they collapse. This, my friend, this reform was nothing more than showboating. But I'm worried about one thing. Not if, but when our wacky friends on the left, our Bolshevik communist friends, take power. Not if, but when. These reforms will happen faster than you can blink twice. They will deregulate. They will cripple law enforcement as we know it. And they will achieve a lot of more things. Look at all the countries that have had socialism. This is a part of the program. Don't get hoodwinked into believing that this is a need because of discriminatory practices. That's why we have a Justice Department. Some of the people that might be listening to me know all too well about the Justice Department because they've been investigated by them. Was it easy? Did you get out of it with a wink and a nod? Or are you still paying and sucking wind to try to get out of the problem? My friends, there is a check and balance. As always, it has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Nation, episode 79 in the books. Bring back the warrior. It's the only way that he or she will survive the tour and the career. Up next, episode 8080, PIO, the public information officer with Wonder Woman. As we start making the necessary notifications to get superhero Wonder Woman on the air. Don't forget to pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for your community, and pray for the agency that serves you. And most importantly, pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike signing out. And guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home.
Thank you.